If you're in the middle of a storm right now, there's help for you, and I want to share it with you today. If you're in crisis, if your soul is that kind of stirred and a wind has blown across it and you're in chaos and you're in the middle of the storm, I've got great news for you. Jesus can help with that. And I, and I want to show you how in just a moment. So that's what we're hearing right now. What could we be hearing? Well, we could be hearing the voice of the Lord. And I want to just demonstrate that by Luke chapter 3. I'm going to use this as like the starting place for our Christmas time celebration. You know, the, the story before the story. Before Jesus came, there was another story that God was already working. And so we're going to just uh, go to Luke chapter 3. And I'm going to read down through verses uh, 1 through 6. Luke 3, 1 through 6. And Brianna has it on the screen for you. Thank you, dear. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip the Tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Tricundus and Lysanus uh, and the Tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, by the way, I just want to stop there and point out that there was never, ever, ever to be two high priests. Only one high priest. And in this case, what we have is a high priest and his dad. And so guess who was really the high priest? The dad. And the son was a puppet. The corruption was in the church. Corruption was in the government. I just went down through some uh, Tetrarch's names. You know, Rome had everything mapped out. And uh, Judea was considered the armpit of the world. And no one wanted to be there. So who did they put there? But the worst rascal they could find because that's what these people deserve. Corruption in politics. Corruption in the church. That was the surrounding. So let me read verse 2 one more time. And the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John. The son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the district around Jordan. Preaching a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sin. As it is written. In the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, that would be Isaiah 40 that we just read a while ago. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough roads smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. A voice crying in the wilderness. What is God saying? Well, when you read Isaiah the prophet, there's two things that come to my mind. And that is, what was God saying in Isaiah's day, 700 years earlier? And then the second thing that comes to my mind is, um, how did John the Baptist know that he was supposed to repeat that word in his day. 
How did he know that? And, 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 if, I, and if I may, I, I just want to say that if I go to Isaiah 40, I want to remind you that the context, please hear this. God speaking, the context was, I love you, Jerusalem. So comfort my people. And in Judea, in John the Baptist's day, what was the same message? Well, the people that was hearing John the Baptist reading, they were hearing a voice in the wilderness, and it was the voice of God, but, but they already, they knew Isaiah 40. So what they were hearing isn't what you and I sometimes hear when we read this passage. What they were hearing is God saying, I love you, Jerusalem. I love you. And therefore, out of that, make the way of the Lord straight. Now, here's where I just have to play detective for a moment and say, when I look into this, find out that what, what, when you read it with, with clarity, when you get underneath of our English into the Greek and the Hebrew and Aramaic, you complain, uh, compare it together what, what the way that we as Americans would be would hear it would be like this. Let's just say that I am John the Baptist. I'm not. Praise God. I don't like locusts. Wild honey. I might. Well, you know. But anyway, I'm John the Baptist, and I am speaking, and you are sitting in an audience, and as you are in an audience, what I am saying to you is, you need to prepare the way of the Lord. And here's how you do it. I, I, I'm, I'm able to see uh, John right here in front of me. Uh, so between myself and John, John would send a line. Think of a chalk line, John. Think of a, a string line. He would send a line straight to me because he's going to follow that line. And uh, I see my mom over here. Uh, she's about the edge of where I can see. She would, see, she would put a line directly to me. Stephanie would put a line directly to me. Every one of you, if you are preparing the way of the Lord, then what you will do is you will put, you will put a line directly to me and when you come to me, you will be coming to the Lord. So if there's an obstacle in the way, it doesn't stop you. If it's down, you go down and come back up. If it's up, you go up and over and back down, but you keep going in the straight line. If it's crooked, you come back to the pathway. Make a straight line to the Lord. That's the way that we should understand it. So John the Baptist starts crying in the wilderness. What does he cry? He's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And people says, okay, God's ready to do something. What should we do? Prepare yourself. How do I prepare myself? Make a line in your heart from where you are right now directly to the Lord. Does that help? Okay. All right. So... What could we be hearing? What could we be hearing? We could be hearing the voice of the Lord. How does a prophet become a prophet? How does a person hear the voice of the Lord, recognize the voice of the Lord, and understand it? I'm going to suggest to you that, that we actually hear the voice of the Lord 
in the same way that our soul hears through those senses. And what I mean by that is this. With my spirit, so I'm not only a body, I'm not only a soul, but I have a spirit. When my spirit has been awakened by the Holy Spirit, I have two things. I have him and I have faith. And with my faith and with my joining to the spirit, I am able to discern the presence of God and the voice of God. I am able to discern his love for me, his correction, his direction. I used to think when I would sit down to pray, and I don't know if anyone else ever struggled with this, that like as soon as I bowed down or sat down, as soon as my knees hit the floor, as soon as I closed my eyes, there's an immediate rush of everything in the room trying to fill my mind. An awareness of everything that is going on in the room. Things that I would be oblivious to. I can't tell you how many times I've come into this sanctuary and sat down and none of you were here. And it's all quiet, completely quiet. And I can pinpoint the fan and the light running. And I can hear the, uh, the, the fan and the computer in the back. And, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, if a light is on, I can hear the light humming, you know. So all that stuff starts rushing into my mind or trying to find its way to my soul. So what do I do? I start to try to hear the voice of God in the same way. God, would you speak to me? And I expect him to speak to me in the same way, sort of like out of the blue. Anyone ever make that mistake? I mean, we, we, we hope to hear Maybe not the audible voice of God, although it happens, but we hope to hear something that resembles a voice. And I'm going to just tell you something that I have learned, and I'm going to just share it with you free of charge, is that God never starts with nothing. He always starts with something. Whenever he said, let there be, and Theologians call this God creating ex nihilus out of nothing. When God created, he created with nothing. Well, yes, he did. He created with his word. He started with his word. He said, let there be. So God started building everything with his word. And then... We talk about man being an object of God's special creation because he bends down and he forms in the clay the formation of a body and breathes into him the breath of life. And we say that that is an act of God's special creation above all other things that God created. He created him specially. But I do want to say this. God said, let us make man. In our image and our likeness. Before the clay, there was a word. In the beginning was the word. I want you to catch with me this morning that God doesn't speak 
most times out of the blue. But when you store God's written word in your heart, let me just make a comparison right now if I could. Why was the Old Testament prophet absolutely, he had to be 100% accurate with all his prophecy or he was doomed to stoning? Why would God do that? The important thing is that if we understand that these words were God-breathed, in the words of Isaiah, for example, that I read in Isaiah 40, when you read Isaiah 40, you have to understand that if his prophecy would be wrong, then we couldn't call it scripture. We couldn't call it something that is the word of God, something that is eternal, that will never change. There had to be 100% accuracy. I praise God for that. Does anyone want to be an Old Testament prophet? And by the way, if I might, because um, the Lord spoke to me in a dream uh, this week about being aware of false prophets, and it set me on a journey. And I want to just make the distinction really quick, and I'll get back to my subject, because I think this is going to be important. A false prophet, according to Jesus in Matthew 7, isn't false because he's not 100% accurate. He's considered false because his fruit is not godly. So the New Testament prophet requires 100% intimacy. Depart from me, I didn't know you. Okay? Which means that there can be mistakes. There can be mistakes, right? But we're not adding this to our Bible, right? When you hear a personal word of prophecy or a prophetic word or a national prophet, we, we don't add it to our Bible, right? We're not doing that. So there's, there's room, but, but I'm just going to... I'm just going to plant this word for those of us who want to be prophetic. What God is requiring of you is not 100% accuracy, but 100% intimacy with Jesus. Okay. All right. So when the Old Testament prophet was moved on by the Holy Spirit and he brings his word and he, he speaks that word or he writes that word or it is later recorded. What happens in that moment is that that word will never change and that word will never stop being true. Can I just share with you that when God said, comfort my people, that that's his posture yet today. Can we just kind of drop, are we like under the judgment of God right now? I just want to drop that for a moment because maybe we are, but maybe we aren't. But I'm going to just go with what we know for sure. God said, comfort my people. Tell them I love them. And I'm coming to them. Okay? So, here's what I believe that you and I should do. This is what has been happening for me. I've told some of you that as I've been on this prayer journey for three, over three years now... 
that at a certain point after you've prayed in the Spirit and you've prayed with your understanding, you've prayed your prayer requests, you've gone through your list, you've dealt with everything that is new and current in your life, after a while, if you're seeking intimacy with God, if you're waiting on the Lord, you can run out of material and you start hearing the lights and the fans and everything else. And so what I learned to do is to pick up the Psalms, and I started praying the Psalms. Those are legitimate prayers. Those are legitimate prophecies. David was considered to be not only a king but a prophet. And then I learned, hey, you can do that with all of Scripture. Isaiah is another one, the Gospels. We can do that, you know. So you start praying it. So I started praying the Psalms. Just pray, and it's like, that one didn't do it. So I turn the page, and I go to the next one, and I pray it. Uh, that one didn't do it either, you know. Uh, go to the next one, and there I am, and I'm starting to pray through this, and all of a sudden, something he's going through resonates with me. And what that something is, is the breath of the Spirit breathing on a word. When the Spirit breathes on that word, suddenly I have a revelation, suddenly I have inspiration, suddenly I begin to recognize that God is also speaking. Okay, so here's what I didn't realize is that the whole time that I was praying this scripture and praying, even those were legitimate prayers, and I urge you to do it. Try it. Just try it. When your heart is in chaos, just take the Psalms and start praying it. When you're in chaos. But what I found out I was doing is even on a day like today when I shared with you Isaiah 40, or when you read it yourself, and I would encourage you to read it out loud because it's good for your ears to hear you, making your declaration, declarating, de declaring the word of the Lord, that when you do that, <clears throat> you're starting to, whether you know it or not, you're starting to store it in your spirit. All of a sudden, God began to speak to me, and when he began to speak, I said, who's in my head? Who's this voice? Do I, am I schizophrenic? What's going on? I, ask, I literally ask, who's in my head? And, and um, the answer that I got back is, this is the voice of the Lord. That set me on a journey to discover what the voice of the Lord is. Guess what? It's when God speaks. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of a slow learn sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, so here is what's been happening. Is that when I hear the voice of the Lord, it's because God has highlighted. He has breathed on something that was already stored. In my, in my treasury. When I read that stuff, I'm not memorizing it. Do I memorize scripture? Sometimes. Have I done it in the past? Absolutely. Does it require memorization? It's good for us. But you don't have to memorize it for it to be stored there. And by the way, this works both ways. You don't have to be really listening to the stuff in the world to be absorbing it. But I digress. You read it, you, if you pray it, you're storing it. And all of a sudden, a wind of the Spirit can come, and when the, the Holy Spirit breathes on a word that's already been stored, then suddenly I've heard the voice of the Lord. And by the way, it's from the Scripture. I can't go wrong. I mean, I can misapply it, but it's, it's going to be 100% Accurate. Brothers and sisters, you should be jumping up and down right now. This is actually very good stuff. 
I'm just telling you that it's wonderful to be able to say, I've been praying the scriptures, I've been praying the scriptures, I've been praying the scriptures, and God's been healing and restoring and working in my life and all that sort of thing. And then we hit 2020, and then all of a sudden, I, as I continue to pray and stuff, and then, then situations have confronted me. Things have come up, decisions have had to be made, and all of a sudden, I hear the voice of the Lord. And what he's done is his spirit has highlighted something that weeks or months or years ago that I planted in my, in my spirit. That is the safe way to hear the voice of the Lord. Can he speak out of the blue? Sometimes he does. In my experience, I probably could count on two hands the times he spoke to me out of the blue. Now I recognize almost on every occasion that he's spoken to me. It's been through his word. Now, he didn't find a word and say, you should park your car over here. Okay? That, that's actually being led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads us that way. The Spirit led me to a store yesterday. Actually, my need for dog food led me to the store, but the Spirit was in it, and I had a conversation with someone. And it was a God conversation, you know, but it wasn't really like, you know, that uh, something out of Isaiah came to my mind, you know. I, I'm just going to tell you that I believe with all my heart that it is time for us to recognize that God speaks so simply and so clearly. We've got a word in front of us that's been preserved and written and recorded for us, and we run to conference after conference and speaker after speaker. God love them. Thank you, Jesus. And we're looking for a word from God, and all along, it was right there in front of us. Your word that you need today is in front of you. It is within your grasp. It is available to you, and you don't have to be a spiritual giant. So, when I say... What, what do I hear out of Isaiah 40? Well, I mean, I, 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 at a minimum, God loves us. Uh, I think that he, we could also say that God is saying, all is not well, but it will be. I think we could hear him saying, make lines in your heart to the Lord and return, you know. I think we could hear that God is sovereign and his throne is not threatened. And I think we could also hear that we should never mistake his patience for forgetfulness. He is long-suffering. That doesn't mean he forgets like I do. I forget so easy. What could we be hearing? We could be hearing the voice of the Lord. In fact, I'm going to urge you to dial down the other stuff and be very careful what you're listening to and dial up what God is speaking. What could we be doing? And I'll finish with this. We should be listening for the language of love that's coming from the Lord. <laughs> There's a lot of anger in, in our country right now for all kinds of reasons. But I will identify one thing, and probably more than anything, that you and I should be aware of. If you had gone through the loss of a loved one, during this time, it's like an extra or a double loss. But let's just suppose that you lost a loved one recently. You and I would be 
quick to tell each other that, that there is a grieving process. And people debate what the steps are, but usually it comes down to this. There is blame shifting. There's denial. There's uh, anger. And, and then there's acceptance and whatever, you know. But that, guilt. There's, there's all that stuff that's going on. So whether you talk about five or seven or nine steps to grieving, we would tell each other, you know, after the loss of a loved one, you'll be grieving for a while. And as Christians, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve, yes, but with hope. The hope that God gives us, right? America, you're grieving. That's what's going on. You've lost a lot. We've lost a lot. Some more than others. I won't even begin to list them. You know what you've lost. I know what I've lost. I know what I'm missing. You know what you're missing. You know what, what there's, there's something, there's, there's always, even if it's just a loss of freedom. <coughs> just. Whenever there's loss, there's grief and there's anger. And blame shifting, resentment. So we're a country grieving right now. But here's what we could be doing. We could become a prophetic voice. The church could become a prophetic voice in the midst of all of this, if I dare say crap that's going on in the world. In the midst of all of that, we could literally be a prophetic voice and speak a word of comfort Speak a word that brings comfort and healing. 